Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Your hosts are Blaine Padvang of the Hockey Writers, Matt Smith, and Treg Toxic Wilson. Successful companies find unconventional answers. That's why Zamboni Keeper is your source for wins. When you need someone to hold down your fort, when your normal goalie is out injured, we have the answer for you. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER. We have a Zamboni driver available in a rink near you, ready to play nets. For only the cost of a team jersey, our Zamboni experts will be able to face your league's most expensive and nationally overhyped offensive players and provide your team the chance to win. Call 1-800-BONY-DRIVER and win. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Habs news, notes, and entertainment. I'm your host, Blaine Putvey, and I am joined now by my co-hosts, Matt Smith. Good afternoon. And Treg Toxic Wilson. Greetings, everyone. So it's a it's a banner week. We have all three co-hosts together at one time, doing it via social distancing and online entertainment. At their and own I, entertainment. I also wash my hands before I uh, touch the microphone. Thank yeah. God. God only knows, wash, where, God only knows where those Air hands Force hands are, are touching, let's be honest. Yeah. That's very true. I wash my hands and put pants on. I doubt that very much. No, I did. I I'm sure you washed your pants. hands. Pajama pants. Does that even pants count? I don't know. Is the back on the pants still, or did you cut that out too? No, my wife stopped doing that. So. Okay. <laughs> Pajama chaps. <laughs> I never know why they call them assless chaps. All chaps are assless. Right? I, I can see this being a Twitter debate really, really soon. I hope so. Hashtag pajama chaps. <laughs> are pajama pants real pants? Well, they must be. Cool. You got the name pants in it. Yes. See, Blaine's but, on my side, Matt, you Air Force guy. You're just saying that because you wear pajama pants to work. It's true. Yeah, it's, this is true, actually. <laughs> I miss wearing the they, they have little planes. I have little planes on them and shit. I believe this. <laughs> that and Crocs. <laughs> oh, no, not Crocs. Steel oh. toe Crocs. Oh, steel God. Toe, steel toe Crocs. Is a, you know, it's aerodynamic, right? <laughs> oh, you've given up on life if you're wearing Crocs. <laughs> Oh my God! Anyway, um, so we're gonna this week. Treg, you got you did some uh, some heavy lifting. You went and got us uh, Mike Weaver. Yeah, took me a while. It I think did just because he we both forgot about it. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Um, so I recorded that interview yesterday. As we record, it is Thursday, the twenty sixth of March, and uh, yesterday I recorded that interview with Mike. Um, so we'll put that on after for our second segment. Um, so we'll just we'll just dive in here, and we've got a couple of news and notes for the Canadians, and uh, then we'll get to our topic. So the first uh, 
the first piece of information was that uh, the general manager, Mark Bergevin, and head coach, Claude Julien, cut their salaries by 20% in solidarity with the employees of Group Ash. So uh, what is your take on that, guys? Uh, we'll start with Matt. I, I think it's the right thing to do. Um, it's kind of a, it's kind of unfortunate that this has to be publicized the way it has been. And um, it just seems that right now that any team that doesn't make this public, that either their staff is taking a, um, taking a cut or that there's a compensation package for the employees and it, it's not being thrown out to the media for everybody to see. They're being like just slammed on social media. I'm going to say bravo to Mark, Berge, Mark Bergevin, to Claude Julian and the rest of the staff for, uh, for doing this. It does show a lot of character within the organization. Um, and to the people on social media that are saying 20% isn't enough, you could afford more, you shouldn't be taking salary at all, etc. It's, it's a gesture that they didn't have to do. They're choosing to do so, so be happy with it. And if you still have a problem with that, you can just fuck off. Pretty much. Next, now, next. now, those that 20%, by giving up that 20% of their salaries, because they're honestly the highest salaried individuals uh, in that group other than players, um, that guarantees that the, the salaried employees that are there now will not be laid off. So they have about 60 to 80 people. By doing that, those people will remain salaried without being laid off minimizing the amount of people laid off, which means more money going to those who were laid off. So that 80% that was promised, it could be as high as 90% or even 95% for the rest because they did this. So by doing this, some people are not affected whatsoever and others who are affected will be uh, will gain a little bit better standing because of it. Now, uh, Treg, what do you think? I think it was a great move by both. I mean... 20% actually out of their salaries is a lot of money if you know what they make, which is pretty good money. Uh, and to the people like what Matt said who sit there said they shouldn't take take they shouldn't get paid or anything like this, well, all right, <clears throat> maybe none of us should get paid because people on welfare don't get paid or people that don't have jobs don't get paid. Are you going to take a pay cut so that you're even with those people? I mean, yeah. give me a break. You know what I mean? Like just because they make in the millions – and other people don't, you shouldn't criticize those people just because they make more money than you. Uh, now, it would be different if they didn't do that. And even if they didn't do that, it's really none of our business. It's nobody's business what people do with their money. It's their money. Sure, you can judge them, you can do whatever, but it's really not your business. Uh, I just read something today about someone going on about how shameful Boston is about laying off people and blah, 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 blah. And then when they did their research, they came back and said, oh, wait, a few days ago, they put so much million dollars in to help these people. So Yeah, I read further into someone, that. What's uh, that? I read further into that. Uh, they deserve to be blasted. They uh, they put a lot of caveats in there and little checkpoints and uh, milestones well, that have to be met. So the, they promised money, but they know that no one's ever going to meet those milestones. It, it, Jacob's family is pretty cheap. They're well known for that. So... Um, I'm not going to say screw you, Boston, because it's not the Bruins. The Bruins are a very well-run organization. But if someone said screw you, Jacobs, I wouldn't be against that. The point I'm making is do your research before you start blasting someone. Uh, the whole thing about uh, it all comes back to when everyone was going on about how Molson never said everyone thought Molson wasn't going to help out his workers and just let, and just blah, 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 blah. And then they had to come out and make a statement saying, hey, we are helping out our workers. And then they complained, well, it wasn't enough. I mean, it's not going to matter what anyone does. Someone's going to complain about it, no matter what. That's true. And, and yeah. Yeah. what these guys are doing, this 20%, that's a hefty amount of money. Carey Price gave $50,000 to his uh, breakfast program to help kids that needed that breakfast program while they were in school. So now they can still get the breakfast program even though they're not in school. $50,000 they donated. Uh, could it be more? Sure. But can't we just be happy with what they are doing? Like, can't we just look at that? Hey, what a great jester. Like, oh, well, he makes $10 million a year. Why isn't he giving $9 million? You know what I mean? Like, come on, be realistic. Let's 
everyone just calm down and just be happy for the good deeds people are doing. There you go. Now, um, moving on from that, also, uh, Matt, you uh, you shared on Twitter yesterday that the NHL has delayed the scouting combine, the awards ceremonies, and uh, sadly, the NHL draft. You you want to give us a couple of your two cents on there? Yeah, I I can't. I kind of saw this coming, but I didn't see it coming as quick as 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 it was. Um, I'll just throw some dates out there. The scouting combine was supposed to be June 1st to 6th in Buffalo. I think it normally is. Uh, June 18th was supposed to be the 2020 Bridgestone NHL Awards. And the draft, as you said, was uh, June 26th and 27th. That was supposed to take place at the Bell Center. Um, As we record this, as you said, it's uh, March 26th. So we're still a few months away. It seems to me that the NHL still has plans to continue to play, and these dates would likely push into June, and that's the reason for the postponement. Personally, I hope that the draft is still going to take place in Montreal, and it's not going to be some sort of weird over Skype, covered by TSN type uh, um, arrangement. But uh, the more and more that we uh, we hear about closures and postponements and uh, other things that are affected by COVID-19, it seems that the season might be shutting down. Uh, we saw the Canadian Hockey League's already done, so uh, now the Continental Hockey League has shut down the playoffs, and they're done for the year. Uh, leagues in Germany have shut down weeks ago. I think it's just a matter of time that we hear that the NHL is looking to shut down, and it's going to take one major um, one major um, sports group, one major league to shut down, and then we're going to start seeing dominoes fall. And um, as of right now, it's for the best. Yes, we love to see uh, hockey on TV. We love to see football, baseball, whatever you're into. But um, it's, it's really not the same without the fans. And um, let's just hope for the best that uh, this COVID-19 starts going away and uh, some of these cases start going down. Um, the only way, the only, the only way it's going to happen is if we do what we're told, uh, we stay at home unless we have to go out, uh, practice social distancing and keep your goddamn hands washed and uh, don't be an asshole and buy all the toilet paper for your asshole. Um, That's right. <laughs> Matt, uh, not Matt, sorry. Uh, I, I apologize to you, Matt, for confusing you with Treg. That's that is, okay. It's shameful. We both have beards now, so it's you're kinda, much better looking though. <laughs> Treg, what about you? What's your two cents on this? Uh, I th- I I see. I'm like Matt. I've seen it all coming. Uh, I don't think it's too early. I think uh, Matt, you kind of hit said it, sort of answered your own question about why it was early. I think they still have plans for playoffs to happen, or at least something to happen. I don't. I don't think the season will continue. I think the season's done. But I think they kind of want, still want to give out the Stanley Cup. Uh, I think we're going to get in later what our thoughts are about that. Um, but uh, I, I'm disappointed because I was looking forward to going to Montreal for the draft. We all had plans. Um, I have many fans in Montreal who want to meet me or punch me in the face, one or the other. And uh, you know, I was kind of looking forward to all that. So. Uh, but maybe they're just going to move into August or maybe early September, and maybe it'll still happen. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But I've I seen it coming, and it doesn't surprise me. Uh, it's going to be a hard to – the most interesting thing I think is going to come up is the lottery draft So and how they're going to conduct that. Fair. Yeah, there's, um, been, there's, been, a, there's been a lot of um, speculation about yeah. how they're going to do that. Because seeing that there was teams on the outside looking in, there were still some, uh, you know, a couple teams jockeying for position to make the playoffs that would knock them out of a lottery pick, etc. Now some teams are looking at possibly saying, well, everyone should have a chance at getting the lottery pick. Well, here's the thing. Uh, everything depends on how they run the playoffs. Um, we'll get, that to, uh, get to that in a minute. Um, as for the return of the NHL this year. Uh, I don't think it'll happen simply because the response I've been seeing from the American government has been inadequate. They're talking about getting, coming back to to normal by uh, by Easter, and they, they haven't even done a full 
uh, a full quarantine or a you know a stay in place order or anything, and their numbers are still rising. So if that doesn't come under control, I cannot see the NHL, NBA, or any of the major leagues saying, "Hey, you know what? No problem. We'll come back to normal." Because unless of, they do, unless they yeah. do empty arena, empty. Well, no I don't see it happening at all because you're going to have more than 50 people in any area because you have at least that many with coaches and players, and then you got TV people. And, and I get just, that, yeah. but I'm just saying, if the United States wants to come back to normal and say, "Hey, everyone can go back," yeah, if the leagues decide, well, we can start playing just monitor our own people, right? Yeah. Then I, I mean, I but I it'd be too hard. I don't it, see them wanting hard, to expose themselves to lawsuits over that. Yeah. No, that, that's I, my I, concern. I'm not disagreeing. I'm just bringing yeah, up uh you know i know that's my concern though but uh i'll leave that uh the political talk aside because let's be honest uh it, it i hate politics and politicians if they want so, to practice social distancing they can take some of that money that they're saving and they can just extend extend the bench and have one, the, this line and this line and this line play three on three hockey the rest of the way boom done yeah. <laughs> you can't but you can't body check you have to stay within six feet away from each other on the ice yeah. Oh, it'd be, hard to, so it'd be just, hard to toe drag someone there. So it's just shots from the point, basically. <laughs> Weber's it's all good. Win. We've got some guys with some heavy fucking jaws, so there I think we're going to be good to go. Uh, all right, so let's imagine that uh, the NHL does come back and they have some kind of a playoff. Um, my view on that would be that the teams making the playoffs, if they do go with the 16 teams, uh, I think they're going to go with a um, uh, points percentage. I think that'll be the fairest way of doing it. I, I know some teams are going to get screwed, but hey, welcome to uh, welcome to the response. So um, if they do that, uh, I think they should be going to a you know a top sixteen, so first versus sixteen, like they used to do back in the early eighties, and uh, run it that way. What about you, Matt? What do you think? Um. I think the one sixteen could work. The only problem is, is that you might have a one and a sixteen that are just a huge distance apart from each other. Well, that's and, that's kind of the hope you want to watch, right? And 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 the travel that. and the and the travel would just be a little bit too much for the NHL to swallow. I know they're they make millions and millions of dollars, but I just can't see that happening. Personally, I'd like to see the the uh, the one eight keep it within the conference like they used to. We might see some matchups that, uh, you know, that we, I, I don't want to see Boston beat out Toronto again, or I don't want to see, you know, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's this, like, I don't like this new format because you're seeing, if they go same. by percentages, Matt, Toronto's not making the playoffs. Well, if they I'm go happy, one, eight, if they happy, go one, I'm, eight, each conference, yeah, Toronto wouldn't make the playoffs anyway. Well, that'd well, be a real happy. shame. I'd be, well, then there you go. go. Then there you <laughs> go. Go with one, eight. <laughs> I think right now, percentage wise, I think Toronto's ninth. Okay, I'd oh have God, to look that up. Better. I'd have to look that up, but I think they're ninth. That but, would be uh, that would probably be the greatest decision the NHL ever made, just because we'd get to watch TSN and Sportsnet and all the Toronto media just lose their bloody minds. It'd be worth it just for that. I'd. I'm making popcorn and sitting back and watching the show. <laughs> I, I'm like Matt. I don't like the new way they do it. I don't like it at all. I find teams that should make the playoffs don't only because they're in a tougher division, a.k.a. Montreal last year. Um, I like the one through eight. I think they should do it like the NBA, East Conference, West Conference, top eight teams make it. Uh, yeah, with the, the divisional winners getting first and second seed no matter their points. Correct. First, for digital, divisional winners get first, second seed, no matter what. But the divisional winners are within the top eight, regardless, anyway. So, it really, they might not be. Technically, they well, may not be. Maybe I've never the divisional seen the winner NBA on, yet. Uh, I've never seen the NBA wet yet have a divisional winner not be a top eight team. Oh, I don't know. Home. I don't watch basketball. So, is that still uh, a thing? It is. Well, no, actually, yeah. nothing's a thing right now. There aren't sports are not a thing anymore. Um, even even the American Cornhole Association shut down all cornhole games. They closed off their cornholes. They closed off the cornhole. Oh, There'll be no God. more cornholing in the United States. Uh, I doubt that very much. <laughs> uh, 
I kind of like the 24 uh, team aspect of uh, the thing that they were doing. I bet you would. Maybe it's because I'm biased because Montreal would make it. But uh, I think the reason they brought that up was because there are still teams that, when the season ended, had still had a chance of making the playoffs. And I think they just wanted to make it fair. So basically the 24 eliminates the bottom six teams, which weren't going to make it anyway. Um, you can always have a play-in, too, You can, like the wild card for baseball. Those bottom well, teams. I think play. what they wanted was the teams, uh, the eight teams that were, the eight added teams were going to do like a little round robin to see who makes it in or something like that. I don't know. but uh, That'd be great. I think that would be entertaining. It'd be good, but I think it would take too long. Yeah, can, I think it would make the playoffs too long. If you make it like a single elimination, it wouldn't be terrible. No, yeah, but yeah, like a yeah. March Madness style, right? Yeah. You make a single elimination. You say you take the top seventeen or the top say we'll take the top six teams out of each um, conference, and then or no, you mean the top, top six that are like the ones just underneath that uh, playoff line? No, you take well, you can take the top seven right now. Take the top seven right now, and then have a team come out. Uh, a team come out of the east, and a team come out of the west. Well, basically, the way the twenty-four works is the eight that are in the playoffs now are in the playoffs, and then the eight teams added in, or the four extra teams per conference added in, would do like a little round robin, right? With like the wild card teams. Yeah, and they can the, have a one-game elimination yeah, kind of bracket and, tournament. Yeah. So the three division leaders they're safe from this little round robin thing and the two wild cards and the other six teams or whatever it is would uh would do like little round robin and then the winners of two winners of that would go on and they'd have their normal playoffs or whatever it is just cut shorter probably like best of five or best of three or something yeah i think i think uh cutting the playoff round short would be a good idea like uh best best of three for a first round best of five for the next two and best of seven for the final. That way, yeah. you can still have it done uh, by mid-June, and it doesn't really make a difference for next season because Bill Daly has stated several times publicly that the goal for the NHL is to ensure that next season's season happens as expected. So, yeah. you know, training camp a starts full, at the right time. A full time. season. A full yeah. season. A full proper season as expected, you know, with training camps arriving at the right times. Uh, the season starts in October. They have like the full year. There's no, there's no surprises for an 82 game season. That's their goal. So, uh, any plan that would be put together now would have to take that into consideration. Uh, they could also just do take the division winners and do like a four team uh, playoff. <clears throat> two yeah, division winners that. in the East and two division winners in the West. Off you go. If if it runs late, like if you're running some mid-May and you haven't opened the season yet, then that's what I'd say. Take the, the top the four division winners and you have two rounds of playoffs and you're done. Or the top two teams and you have like the bottom, the second place teams play a little round robin, sure. whatever. Any, yeah. there's or top, a, two, there's, in each, top yeah. two in each division and then you have three rounds. Off you go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. So if that was just to happen right now, so if that was to happen right now, you'd have Boston, Tampa, uh, Washington, Philly, St. Louis, Colorado, and then Vegas and Edmonton. Yeah, I'm fine with that. Works for me. Sounds like a really good playoff. That yeah. wouldn't be too bad if you made it best of three, or even best of five. You'd see some like you like can go best of three, di- best of five, best of seven, like Blaine mentioned earlier. Yeah. You'd see some pretty deadly hockey. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'd be well-rested. They'd be on the go. However, as yeah. we say this, I would really much rather see Edmonton-Calgary in the first round because if the playoffs <laughs> started right now, Edmonton would be playing Calgary in the first round. It would definitely be something I'd want to see. Yeah, and watching Toronto lose to Boston or Tampa Bay in the first round would be fun too. But it, it, Pittsburgh would be playing Philly. Oh, God, that'd be great. And the Habs would be playing nobody. <laughs> Man. And we'd still be talking about it. Yeah, well, the Canadians end up with a top 10 pick, and let's be honest, they brutally need some skill, and they're set up for that now. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, when it comes to the lottery, the latest thing I heard was they're thinking of doing what they did when Pittsburgh won the Sidney Crosby sweepstakes. Uh, there's Everyone. talk of that, but I, I yeah. seriously doubt that. If they do end up doing a playoff, then they're just going to go with all the non playoff teams are in. 
the lottery. Um, I'm saying if they don't go with a playoff, that's what I, they're thinking about doing. No, I do think that even if they don't have a playoff, they're still going to go with the uh, anybody who's not in a playoff position right now is now in the lottery, and anyone who's are you in a playoff position right now for quality is out of the lottery. They just end afford. up with their picks as normal. And I, I no think that's the, no the safest way to do company. it. Or the best yeah, way to, to do it. Provide yeah, that's to you. I mean, so there's no a couple of teams hockey. on the bubble. You go by no name hockey you know, win percentage that some people company. might be upset, some not. But at the end of the day, you can't please everyone. So you have to find at least a 90% solution to something because there is no 100% can never find the right one or one that was reasonable percentage would be the best So he decided to start It'd be the Bears thing. Let's be brutal. Now no name offers high quality, point just because not everyone plays the same number at of a games. fair price. Yeah. They won't try to wow you so, with a fancy uh, name. I think we'll, we'll end will our segment on providing there. you um, a pro stock quality stick. When we that come you back forward after the this cost of commercial break has gone through the uh, roof, we will be joined by sponsorships and former Montreal Canadiens defense no name hockey Mike Weaver. Make sticks so for the no names and players sit back, currently relax, enjoy these commercials and we'll be right back. And welcome back to Habs Unfiltered. We are joined now by former Montreal Canadian defenseman, Mike Weaver. Mike, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So, Mike, uh, you've, you've, been, uh, you've been retired now a couple of years. Uh, how is that treating you? Um, well, it's, it's obviously a big change. It's kind of, uh, you really can't really prepare for it. Just like, uh, somebody that retires in real life. Um, we kind of retire at somewhat of an early age and, and it kind of sucks that if you're a plumber and you ended up kind of, even though you want to be a plumber and you lose your job, you go and move to another place to be a plumber and you're able to be a plumber until you're 60 years old with hockey. It's kind of, Hey, you get to a point where, uh, some people hold on for dear life, and I knew it was my time to move on. And and it was a it's a really big transition. And I've been really helping a lot of guys helping transition out out of the whole hockey thing. Um, I was a guy that was the odds of me making it were pretty slim. I wrote a article for the Players Tribune. It's uh, titled uh, the the um the tales of the undrafted puck eater and it goes basically talking about how i went against the odds and my dad at one point when i was going to the draft to see i was if i was going to get drafted he ended up we ended up waiting till the last draft pick and he ended up saying to me, okay, well, you didn't get drafted, so there's got to be another way. And it's really, that really has stuck with me my whole entire uh, life. And it's something that I was always preparing for after hockey. I was always, the odds of me making it were pretty slim. So I, I made sure that I went to, I got a really good education in Michigan State. And I was always thinking of what's next. Now, did you choose the NCAA route because you wanted to? Uh, you, you just wanted to be sure that you were okay after hockey. Yeah, when I was younger, the university route wasn't uh, a, a common route to the NHL. Uh, it was becoming, but it wasn't there just yet. A lot of people went to the OHL. A lot of my friends went that that route, and they never made it. And I knew with the odds of me making it were pretty slim. So I went for education and my second year in university, I didn't know what I wanted to do for my major. And I took a test that told me I wanted to get into computers. So it was, it basically changed my whole life. So I have a minor in virtual reality, software development, web design. So while we're on the plane, and uh, while I was playing with, especially with Montreal Canadiens, lots of cards uh, and players losing money at the card tables, I was I was um, designing websites and and uh, kind of staying relevant relevant in the tech world. And now I'm I'm using that. 
Was that the basis for um, your new uh, your new venture with the hockey cho- uh, coaching clinics? Yeah, well, I, I ended up creating uh, a web based platform for coaches to be able to draw their drills digitally and being able to easily create the practice plan. I started a hockey school also called Defense First. And I just found it was very tedious to create a practice plan. And I would redraw the same drill over and over and over. And I thought there had to be a better way. So when I was traded, well, not traded, but when I signed with the Florida Panthers, Rob Tallis, the goalie coach with the Florida Panthers, said, we have all these millions of dollars in the NHL and we still write it on a piece of paper, our drills. So I set out to, with my tech background, I set out to find a way to digitally create drills in a browser with no plugins at all. I wanted a complete web-based and I didn't want uh, anything, no downloadable apps, completely web-based and it hadn't been done. And I found a way of doing it. So it's called coach them. And it's been it's been amazing. Um, we have eight thousand coaches on board, and we have we partnered with the NHL Coaches Association. So, and then we also pop, partnered with the coaches site. So it's called coachthem.com. And right now we're it's crazy. A lot of coaches, because the hockey world shut down, are signing up and bu- building their their drill database right now. So it's, it's an exciting time. It's uh, obviously nobody loves um, with, with what's going on with the world, but I, I firmly believe that it's a pause in time that we are forced to stay in our homes. And it's something that I think is good to really look at what really matters to you? And a lot of coaches haven't really had the time to create their drills and and create their their almost go back to what the love of the game instead of yelling and screaming on the bench, bring back to why did you get into hockey? And we've had a lot of coaches come on board and and we've had conversations like that and, and it's not as hectic now that everything's calmed down. Um, so it's, it's something that I, I could see the, the, the passion coming back into to the game. And, you know, I just, I just think that this is uh, obviously it sucks that uh, there are uh, not, not, it's not the best out there. But I think it's something that I've connected with my family. I've connected with uh, uh, people that I haven't had time because I was so busy with my job and, and running all over the place. It's it's kind of a nice pause. Yeah, I've had the same opportunity thanks to this. I, I rarely get to stay home this long. So I, I completely understand that point. Um, now, you seem very uh, very, uh, very well set up in your post playing career, was there any, uh, was there any help or setup from the NHLPA before you retired? Well, when I was on the board, uh, I was on the executive board, um, with every NHL team, there was one player on each team chosen to be on the executive executive board. I was on there for a number of years and it was something that there's always been talk of preparation for after hockey, but it was never really done. A lot of the players, especially in the sports world, they're focused on, on uh, bringing their game to the next level. And if you told them, why don't we look at after hockey they're like, no, you can't really focus on that because it kind of gets you out of sync. Um, so that's something that's it's, it's tough. I know the NHL Players Association fights with that every day, how to get players 
to think about the future. And I think if I was to do it again, I would have got my Instagram and Twitter feed a lot higher than, than I would have in the past. And that I would have connected more with, with um, different companies and, and kind of networked a little bit better. But I did have a hockey school. I've had it for 17 years. It's called Defense First, Defense, F-I-R-S-T dot com. And we, I teach over 300 kids in July alone. I have people coming from all over the world. And we're not just a hockey school or babysitting school. We teach the thinking part of the game. So it's funny. Even though a lot of guys, I don't watch a lot of NHL games anymore because I just find that I'm over. I'm kind of over the whole thing. Uh, you kind of get when you, I had a 14 year career and you just kind of just get tired of that whole thing. You've been told what to do your whole life and it's kind of a nice little break, but it's funny. All the stuff that I've done post career have to do with hockey, my coaching platform, coach them and defense first. So it's, it's something that, and I've been helping out with my dad with, with um, a flooring company, Weaver Flooring. They've had the city of Toronto's contract for 40 years. So it's something that it's, he's done an amazing job of supporting our family. So it's always give, good to give back to, to your family. So, Yeah. Um, now, you mentioned your work ethic and the thinking part of the game. Did you feel that that was your ticket to not just making it but sticking in the league? Oh, for sure. Uh, hands down. I remember I was never given, like, my my career, I, I signed with Atlanta Thrashers. Um, Don Waddell ended up giving me a chance to love college players, giving me a chance, and I had to fight for it every single year. Uh, I, I always went into, I went into, I remember after we, we, I got sent down to the minors for the first year. All the rookies got sent down. And we ended up winning the Turner Cup. And I remember my assistant coach coming to me and saying, hey, I basically he said that he was gonna, they were going to send me down. And they gave me one shot, and I ended up proving them wrong. And I ended up playing the whole entire year. And that was my... That was my career every single year. Even in St. Louis, I signed with St. Louis. And before I signed with St. Louis, I ended up telling my agent, I want to get uh, a call with Andy Murray because they said that there was a spot available. And I just wanted to verify it. So I called Andy Murray and I just said, I'm like, I'm not worried about not making the team. I'm making sure that there's a spot available. And he said there was, and I ended up making it. So it's, there are some people that live up to their expectations and they, they go above and beyond. And there's some people that just get by. Um, And I was always looking at, there's always somebody better. And that's, something that really stuck with me even when I went to the Florida Panthers I was at the Florida Panthers and I remember a few of the guys pulled me aside we got to the hotel late they pulled me into their room a couple guys on the team and they're just like Mike you're making us look bad I'm like why they're like you keep on asking for video and nobody else is asking for video I'm like well I don't care what, what you guys you guys do. I want to go and look at the video and see what, where I could have improved my game. And that's one thing I, I think that has trans um, transferred into my hockey school. I'm able to look at players and, and pick out exactly what's, what's going wrong with their positioning, their stick placement. And it really does um, change my kind of outlook of the whole entire game. Um, and it's funny when I was younger, everybody would come to me and say, Oh, Mike, you played a great game. And I would always say, well, I could have played better. 
And I never said, I never ever said that I could, I never said that I played a good game until I got inducted to the sports hall of fame for the Brampton sports hall of fame. I showed up, I was on stage and they showed a video. They showed a video of my career and it was, I, I got teary eyed on, on stage and it was really my first time that I basically cried in my life. And it was really emotional. And at that point, that was the first time I ended up saying, yeah, I was, I, I played great. Yeah, it, uh, that must have been very moving seeing that and being honored that way. Uh, not many people get that honor. So I, I wouldn't blame you for crying. I've cried for much less. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was kind of, uh, yeah, like, like I never, I never, I never wanted a compliment that I played a good game. I never looked for that. I always, I always said that I could have played better. And, I, and I'm sure that hurt me in other ways too, in real life, because I always looked at myself that I wasn't good enough. But I think you have to have that kind of drive. And, and not just saying, I want to become better, looking at ways of improving it. So when I would look at video, I wouldn't just look at, where the puck is. I looked at where the puck wasn't. And if I was, and this is what I teach at my hockey school. If I'm able to look at every other player and find out what their options are, I'm able to basically tell the future. And that's something that I was really good at, at a younger age of figuring out what was going to happen with the play and being two steps ahead of the play makes you an amazing player. That's why I'm not comparing myself to Wayne Gretzky at all, but he would always go and he would be going to where the puck was going to be, not the puck where the puck was. So would that be the one, one piece of advice you'd give any young player today? I would say, I would say the odds of making it are pretty slim. But somebody has to, somebody has to make it. And why can't it be you? So enjoy the journey, and you're going to meet some meet, meet some amazing people along the way. And at the end of the day, as long as you gave it your all, you're never going to be disappointed, and you're never going to. And there's so many people that always come up to me. I could have made it. But, but because of something else, I'm like, no, well, there's no, but you just didn't make it. You didn't make it to the NHL. So there are, like I said, there there are doers and there are get by people. And it's something that, um, and, and one, one of the, well, the coach for uh, Michigan State University, Ron Mason, I remember him coming into my my living room and he ended up saying, Mike, he's just like, you got to look at life right now uh, as a triangle. He's just like, with each side represents, one side represents uh, schooling and education. Uh, one side represents um, hockey and wellness, and the other side represents family. Um, and if and if, if family and social social interaction. So if all of a sudden you're out there meeting your friends and and hanging out with the family and everything, it's it's almost and it and it takes away from hockey. Well, that side of the triangle gets too big. If you're focusing too much on hockey, well, that triangle uh, side of the triangle gets too big. So if you're able to keep, create balance in your life and, and, and create time for every, uh, all those three sides of the triangle, you're going to have a balanced life. And it's something that I always go and rebalance and, and look at, okay, am I focusing too much on one thing? And too much of one thing is just too much. 
That's uh, that, that's actually good life advice. Uh, <laughs> um, now we're going to just move over to your your playing career a little bit, and mm-hmm. you didn't. You were constantly signing contracts, and you never really went through a trade until uh, you were traded from Florida to Montreal. Can you uh, mm-hmm. walk us through a little bit about what was behind that and how it affected you and your family? Uh, as far as being traded, yes. Um. Yeah, so it, it's it's fu- I'll tell you a funny story. Um, I was when when my my wife was pregnant. Uh, it would have been in uh, L.A. So the season ended. I ended up having to decide between. Pittsburgh and Vancouver and not too many people know this that I I ended up signing to Pittsburgh and going to training camp and because I would rather a four-hour drive than a four-hour flight so I ended up going to training camp I I did I I killed the training camp it was awesome I, I ended up scoring on a breakaway me scoring on a breakaway crazy um I I remember playing um, monkey in the middle with uh, Sid and uh, uh, Colby Armstrong. And they were just like, Mike, hands down, he made the team. So I'm like, perfect. So it was one of the last cuts. They ended up, they ended up uh, pulling me into the room and it was Ray Sherrill, the GM and Tarion was the coach. And he ends up saying, is it's like, Hey, Mike, uh, I don't have a good French accent, so I can't really do it uh, as good, do it justice. But he's just like, "Hey, uh, we're gonna we're gonna put you on waivers, uh, and uh, we're gonna keep our uh, D man uh, Nazardine. I guess he's been with him for a couple years." So, anyways, I could have been all pissed off. I said, "Well, thanks for the opportunity," and I shook his hand and I walked out. Uh, Ray Shiro calls me a couple. I uh, calls my agent. And I guess he said that he let Terry and make the, make the choice. His choice was me and uh, Terry's choice was Nazardine. So I ended up getting put on waivers and uh, Vancouver picked me up. So I had to race, drive back four hours. And then three hours after that, I was on a flight to uh, Vancouver. So I ended up playing that year, and it was the last year of Trevor Linden. I ended up assisting on his last ever goal scored. And obviously, fast forward, I get traded from Florida to Montreal. Um, The first call was Bergevin saying, welcome to uh, Montreal. He said that I've been trying to get you in the last couple of years, and it's worked out this year. And then the second call was not uh was uh terry and he's just like hey hey mike how's it going i'm like hey not, <laughs> last time we we're talking you're putting me on waivers and it's funny I, I ended up bringing that up to him and kind of chuckled a little bit and anyways uh not even a month into it he was calling me dream weaver he was calling me dream so it was a uh, pretty uh, the hockey world's a small world and it's it's all about keeping the relationships and and uh Hey, you just got to be professional in every little thing. But yeah, it, it did. It was a big um, change. Uh, a lot of people love all the different trades that happen, but it does really impact families. And um, I ended up flying to Montreal. Um, basically, I flew right from Boston right there. And I, I basically had a small bag filled with clothes. That's it. Um, and I ended up not seeing my family for about two weeks. Then I ended up going back for two days. And we're actually on the Florida swing, which worked out great. So I ended up staying there probably about two or three days. And uh, then my family would visit me because we're in playoffs. It was that, that was an amazing run that we ended up, um, we ended up beating Boston in game seven. So that was a pretty amazing experience. Probably one of my best experiences of my career. Yeah, that uh, that 
that playoff run was uh, very magical for the uh, Montreal fan base. Uh, I remember it quite well as well. Uh, <laughs> we haven't had too many deep runs like that. Um, that that win against Boston in Game Seven. What was that like? Oh, it was it was crazy. Like, oh, oh, um, that whole entire series was just. Oh, it was so. It was it was awesome. I remember at one point, like standing up to to Chara, uh, and it was just like either I'm turtling or I am standing up to him. And it's a, it's at one point in time that I, I've been I've been in playoffs before, but in a Montreal Boston series, like it's either like you always question yourself, what are you going to do? Are you going to be uh, an impact player or are you going to be uh, a guy that just gets by? And it's that was one of the oh, best playoffs of all time. It was, it was awesome. And then going into Boston, Game Seven. Oh, the one thing I'm, I'm really still pissed off about the NHL is, um, why um, during the um, the handshake, uh, I really was very disappointed in in. Um, and what went on there with the uh, the lucha ch- uh, incidents? Yeah, yeah. I, I just I just thought the the whole the whole that that that's one of the the ch- most cherished um the most cherished things in hockey is you play to the death basically, but then blood, sweat, and tears. But then you go and uh, show your respect at the end of the game. And it was something that I was very pissed off. I thought the NHL should have fined him. I, I, I thought that was just because it turned into that whole altercation, and it wasn't as much celebrating us. And right, it it it, it was all in the news about that whole thing. So I, I thought that was just just disrespectful. And, and um, that was that was mostly based on. Uh, uh, Weiss's uh, chest thumping, mocking of Lucic and Emlyn's constant physical play, I believe. Yeah, it was mainly Emlyn's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was just all over him the whole entire time. Yeah, I was a big but, fan of that myself. Yeah. Oh, I thought that was <laughs> oh, yeah, but it just, yeah, I, I just really wasn't, um, you know, a fan of that, but. You move on, and uh, it kind of sucked going into the following series. Uh, I think that was our that was basically our Stanley Cup. Uh, even though Pricer went down, that uh, ticker Tukarski didn't really um, hurt us by any means. We just couldn't score goals. So, well, no, he I was he, I, he played I well. He did a great job. Yeah, I he, thought he did a good job. Yeah, you guys lost the last game, I believe, one nothing. So we can't really blame the goaltending on that. No, no, I don't think we really could even score. That was that was one of the things. So, yeah, a funny thing. So that year, everybody was just like, "Man, like we like I've never seen a guy get so many shot blocking assists." And I'm like, "Well, yeah, well, you guys are able to go down and score." So the following year, I remember I was getting heat for not getting any assists. And I got pulled in, and Taryn was all over me about you know, and and Burge a little bit about uh, not getting not getting into the offensive play and, and and being. So I ended up saying, "I'm like, well, look at the video. I'm like, our, our guys can't take it end to end this year." <laughs> but I, I got a lot of shot blocking assists. I would block a shot, and our guys would go down the other end and score. So. Now, uh, looking back at the the Dreamweaver stuff, we uh, we remember the posters that were put in lockers. Was Tarion behind the poster, or did you make that up yourself? Um, no. Well, I, I kind of had that nickname Dream uh, for basically for my whole whole career by the guys on the team, but it really took another life of its own. Um, in, in, in the stands. Uh, it was awesome. Yeah. 
even Terry, like I said, he was saying it as well. <laughs> and you, you were well known for being a bit of a, uh, a class clown in the dressing room. Could, uh, could you walk uh, us through maybe one of your favorite pranks that you'd like to play on the guys? Well, I was, I wouldn't like to, like I wasn't taking it to another level. I was just, I would just like to, uh, enjoy, enjoy everything. And there was a lot of, a lot of guys who get scared to come to a Canadian city just because, um, there's so much pressure. I was just, I just loved the media. I know the media loved me cause I was pretty honest with all my, with everything, but yeah, I would always, uh, I'd have, uh, I was called the, the potato bandit. So, uh, during, during, um, pregame meals, I would grab a baked potato and I would throw it in the guy's pockets. Um, but it's funny, <laughs> I guess PK came one, one day and he's like reaching his pocket and he's just like, what is this? I guess, I guess it, he, he wore it on the previous uh, I guess a trip a, a month ago, and it was like this shriveled up <laughs> potato in his pocket. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's it was pretty it was pretty funny when a, a guy had like a candy bar in there or something that it would melt. But I, I would always do the shoe checks that you would grab. You would grab um, a cup of um, mayonnaise, and you would you would go on your knees and, and hands and you go with this this cup and you would put it on somebody's shoe and then you would go back to your seat and you and you would tap the glasses like at a wedding and uh everybody like oh shoe check and everybody look at it you usually it's the same guy most of the time but yeah just just a little innocent things i, I was never about cutting guys skate laces or ruining people's clothes i was i was all the Little, little innocent things like um, Tom Kostopoulos and myself. We we would we broke into our uh, we broke into our uh, strength coach uh, in would have been in L.A. and we ended up flipping the box spring and the mattress. So I guess he <laughs> he came home pretty late one night and he ended up jumping into it. It was just like a hard hard box spring. Oh. So, but it was, yeah, I was just, you know, the, the, uh, do you know what a, a short sheet is? Oh yes. Uh, I've been in the military for a while. We, we've done that a lot. Yeah. The short, I, I love the short sheet. It's like a little innocent thing. Like, like I've heard of guys going and taking out, uh, the whole entire, uh, bedroom and putting it in the, in, in the, uh, uh in the hall or packing it right into the washroom. But yeah, I, I didn't get into those levels, but um, yeah, I'd always like to, uh, I remember one time PK was getting interviewed and I ended up having my hockey stick and everybody, obviously there's 20 mics around, right? So I'm like throwing my hockey stick right, right by his face, like a microphone. And it's like yeah. right in his face. That was pretty funny. I'd, I'd be yelling, behind everybody saying, Hey, why don't you say another generic answer, PK? (laughs) Did he have cue cards that he followed? Uh, No, no, (laughs) no. But like, I I was always pretty honest. And and to be honest, I I tried never to give a generic answer. Um, I would always have fun with it. um, And uh, just, just be genuine. Yeah, I can see why players would want to give generic answers, especially ones that are constantly being uh, interviewed, just because they don't want to get in trouble. So I, I get yeah, that part of it. For sure. No, for sure. It's yeah. You don't you want you don't want to give away too much, but I think you, I think you get uh, have a little more fun with everything for sure. But, yeah, yeah. You're you, in the NHL. You may as well have fun. Oh my God, for sure. A lot of a lot of guys are just you, it. Your career goes by so fast because you're so focused on the moment and you don't, a lot of times you don't get a chance to, to look around. So looking around would have obviously maybe got you a little too comfortable, 
And I was never a guy that wanted to be comfortable because if you're comfortable, people are always striving to, to knock you out of position. So it's, it's tough. It's, it's, you're, you're under pressure so much. It's, and when I got traded to, when I got traded to Montreal, I remember my first game I played. It was, I wasn't supposed to play. And then at the last second, I got thrown in there, Arizona. And that first shift, I have never been so tired in my career. Never. It was, I just find that when you're playing for a a storied organization like the Montreal Canadiens, like I felt every single stride I was, I was, I had the whole weight of, the whole fan base on, on my back. And it was just, it was amazing, but it was just tired. But I remember my first ship ending up, ended up getting scored on. So, uh, not, not the greatest start, but, uh, I think you made up for it with the remainder of your time there. Yeah, I thought, I thought I did too. It was fun. It was a very enjoyable, uh, living in Westmount was just amazing. Met some amazing people. Uh, the so the uh, Canadians would do bent over backwards for anything that you needed, and it was just um, it was just a pleasure. Just I, I got chills every single time I would skate out on the ice. Um, so yeah, it was fun. Now, before I let you go, because you've given me plenty of t- plenty of your time, and I don't want to take up too much. Um, yeah. What was your favorite memory of Montreal outside of hockey? Because this is a, a Hab centric podcast. I'd like to get I'd like to get your take on the city. Um, I just loved I, I I love I love the French the French language. I love how Montreal goes and and keeps tries to keep it alive and i know when my kids were going to school there they they had to learn they had to speak in school 50 percent of the time um so that that was amazing i i love i love the the rest the food was just amazing um i love park sushi uh, I, I used to go there all the time antonio park was just amazing um i loved old Old Port, we used to go there a lot. Um, just, just, just the feeling of the whole city—it was just amazing. Um, from from the fans to the just living there and being able to right outside your door, being able to go and do go cross country skiing—it's <laughs> everything's right there. It, it was pretty cool, pretty pretty amazing experience. By far the best place I've ever played in my in my career, for sure. Uh, every every place had its own unique um, experience. Like L.A., you're 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 amongst uh, movie stars the whole time. St. Louis, an amazing city, small but but big. Um, Florida Panthers, oh every single day the weather was just amazing Atlanta it was special because it was my first it was my first NHL team uh Vancouver playing in a Canadian city was was amazing but when you get to Montreal wow it's it's another world yeah I'm sure you know as a Toronto uh, Toronto born and raised play, uh, boy you would have liked to have worn the uh, blue and white of the Leafs but uh it's hard to beat the Bleu Blanc Rouge. To be honest, I, I wasn't a big Leafs fan when I was growing up. Um, oh, thank God! And it, it's funny, <laughs> my dad's a huge Leaf fan, but he he turned he became a Canadians fan for two years. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was the only reason I would have wanted to play one year in Toronto was to get set up in Toronto <laughs> because I would have been able to get into the the alumni room, the Toronto alumni room. Like when I go to Montreal, yes, I can go into the Montreal Canadiens alumni room, but living in Toronto would have been a great thing. But 
at the end of the day, I'm, I'm so every day I, I think, thank Burge for bringing me uh, a part of that experience. Wow. Yeah. You know what, Mike, uh, thank you. For, I appreciate you giving me your time like that and giving me some insights. Uh, my listeners truly appreciate that as well. Um, before, we, before I let you go, you, is there anything you wanted to plug or mention before you left? No, I just, I, I'm, I'm just enjoying my, I love my career. Uh, I loved the people I've met along the way. And I'm, I'm glad now that I'm able to give back to the hockey world uh, uh, for the players with my hockey school defense first um, defense uh, first.com and being able to give back to the coaches that have helped me along the way uh, coach them coach them.com. And um, I know a lot of coaches are, having a little bit more time on their hands and uh, give us a try because I'm telling you, we, we got, we got something special here. Well, Mike, I truly appreciate you giving me your time like this. And uh, in this time of uncertainty and worry, um, my best goes to you and your family. And uh, hopefully this, this all comes to an end very soon. Yes, uh, for sure. For sure. And uh, Deb, if you're, if you're in Toronto, look me up. I will. Thank you very much. All right. Sounds good. Pleasure. And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jag and Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.